We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now, on to my guest for today, Nir Bashan. Nir is a world-renowned creativity expert who has worked with many big companies and clients, including Woody Harrelson, Rod Stewart, AT&T, Microsoft, Suzuki, and JetBlue. His recently published book, The Creator Mindset, was named one of Porchlight's top 40 business books of 2020. He offers lectures, workshops, and consulting to help businesses tap into their creativity to solve problems and grow. Nir has been working on cracking the creativity code since he was nine. He refused to believe that creativity is just something people are born with. And after many years, he continues to believe that everyone can access their creative potential, no matter what their field. It is, in fact, the key to success. He teaches people that they have the capacity to solve problems if they access their own unique abilities. Numbers and data only give a snapshot of what's already happened. By accessing our creativity 
and focusing on the big idea, we can instead see what's possible as opposed to what has already been. Now, let's get better together. Nir Bashar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Um, I met you through matchmaker.fm, which uh, I get a lot of great guests from, and uh, we share uh, a couple of things in common, one of which is Bernadoodles, <laughs> which we could talk about a little bit later. Uh, it's my first kind of experience with Bernadoodles. I used to have a Boston Terrier, so uh, it's a whole different world um, for me, but uh, uh, my fiance uh, got one because uh, her daughter uh, is allergic to dogs and as everyone knows, Bernadoodles, because uh, poodles are hypoallergenic or whatever. So maybe we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. But before we talk about uh, Bernadoodles, um, I'd just like to understand a little bit about how you got to do uh, what you're doing today. Yeah, that's a, it's a convoluted road. I, I don't know if there's a real straight sort of connection there, but um, I've been working since I've I've been nine years old and in every job that I've ever had, I noticed that people who are creative tend to do well and people who are not creative tend not to do well. And so like any smart person, I asked people who were successful and creative, you know, how do you do it? And just about everybody told me, oh, oh, you know, this is, you're born, you know, this is not something you can learn. This is something that, you know, you can never replicate. Don't even try. I have an advantage, you know, and uh, that sort of thing. And so I kept trying to crack the code and I discovered that there is a repeatable and, you know, obtainable creativity source. You just got to learn how to do it. And so over the last several years, I've written a book. It took me six years to write called The Creator Mindset. It's, um, out in stores and Barnes and Noble and uh, uh, online. And it's really a code of how to become creative no matter what you do. It, it, it's a how book. So if, you, if you're into philosophy and you're into the why and conjecture and all that stuff, don't buy my book. But if, because it's not that, like you, you're just gonna be disappointed, right? Like you're gonna read it and go, I like like, your honesty on that. That's a good. Oh man, yeah, it's not for everybody. (laughs) If you want a manual on like how to do stuff, then yeah, then then buy my book because the market's full of books about why and you know, oh, it's just the amazing benefit to your business and all <laughs> contemplating your navel type stuff. Yeah. Oh man, I've read them all. And yeah, me too. you, you me get too. really excited at the end. You're like, oh, this is great. But what do I do? And and when you don't explain to people how to do things, I feel, you know, you're not really teaching them how to fish. You're just giving them something. So that's kind of uh that's kind of how I arrived at at this point. It was it was a crazy wild and bumpy ride, but I would trade it for nothing because I learned at every step. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I was just kind of going through uh, your site, and I haven't haven't read the book yet, but I'm definitely going to pick it up. Um, you know, as a fellow author, <laughs> I can definitely. Uh, boy, it's a tough journey to to, <laughs> to put the <laughs> to put the the words and the ideas down on pay on the page, but it's so valuable. At least I've found is. When the way I process the world is I have to write it down and I have to think about it and mull it. And, and as I mull it, I learn more and more. And, and for me, the art of writing and the creativity and being a creator, um, 
it's it's part of my why, but also the discipline and the mechanics and the frameworks are so important that, and it's funny that not a lot of, well, there are some creative people that are all into that, but then there's some that are just like the muse comes to me and da, 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 you know, and, and that's all fine and good if that's your process. But what I found the most prolific creators I know, both in entrepreneurship and writing and all that have a framework, have a plan and they do the blue collar hard work to grind it out. And eventually they make something brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So I was wondering, is that sort of like what you found as well? 100%. This is a grind and not a get rich quick scheme. So, you know, listen, I, I go on a lot of podcasts. I'm, I do you know, half of my day is spent on my content pipeline, right? So I do interviews with magazines and different websites and all this stuff. And I get questioned a lot from people saying, you know, Nir, we just, we just had a guest and the last guest before you was 24 ways to become a millionaire by next Tuesday in real estate. I'm like, oh shit. And then they're like, <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe you didn't like that guy, but last week we had a woman on, and she talked about, you know, 15 ways to make your Etsy website go to a million dollars by, you know, Thursday, by the first Thursday of the month. Right. And I'm like, dude, are you guys serious? Like, is this really what we're peddling out there? Like a bunch of get rich quick schemes? It's about a process and it's a long road. You got to put yeah. one foot in front of the other and you just got to follow through with some of these things. And in yeah, some of my process, um, you know, cost nothing. It's not an investment in gear. It's really a shift in, in your mindset. That's why the book's called the creator mindset. Um, but you're not going to get rich quick reading my book. You're not going to get rich quick on, on this stuff. And I think it's important that, you know, we do a good job by saying it, um, in, in letting people know that there's no like, you know, mystical guru that we can follow. Listen, if you know that, please send me an email because I want to follow that mystical guru and I want to get rich in real estate by next Tuesday too. You, you, I mean, you know what I mean? I'm like, with, no, I'm with, I'm, I'm like, look, I'm an, I'm in the entrepreneur world, right? I've written a book, Entrepreneur Ethos, which is my thoughts on how to build a more ethical, inclusive and resilient entrepreneur community, frankly, you know, the world, right? Love it. And Every entrepreneur I talk to, especially the young ones, are always just like, yeah, I want to like crush it and be a unicorn and be a billion dollar company and da, 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 da. How do I do that? How do I grow back <laughs> my way to success? And I'm all, bro, I, uh, that doesn't happen. Like, Pump the brakes, you know? <laughs> you, you know yeah, what it is? exactly. No, we you're right. Have, totally right. It's too many people out there promising too much. And when a genuine approach comes like, you know, the entrepreneur ethos, how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur community, right? That's nobody's gonna get rich tomorrow off of that. But eventually, yeah. you know, that that's literally dollars, you know, that you're taking off the table and putting in your pocket. And it's the same with my approach, but there's too many people out there, I think, promising, you know, yeah. the sky. And then you read their book or you go to their class or whatever, you do their program. And I've done you know, maybe embarrassingly, but I've done a few of them. Um, and I'm still, you know, I'm still grinding it out. I mean, you know, am I, am I rich? No. Am I making a good living and taking care of my family and my friends and 
contributing positively to society? I, I would think so. I'd like to do more of that. Yeah. Um, but oh, totally. I don't know. Sometimes our North Star is the wrong North Star. And we need to focus on things that matter more than, you know, the quick buck. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, and that's the reason why I wrote the Entrepreneur Ethos as well. I mean, I was seeing all of these books like you, all about the external stuff, how to grow back your way to blah, blah, blah. I mean, just right. constant like tactics, 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 strategy. I mean, mine's a little more cerebral, a little more why, a little more woo-woo but than yours, clearly. But but it also has what I felt, okay, well, if you're going to do this job and you're going to do this profession, this vocation, you're going to be a practical creative. That's what an entrepreneur is. We are the creatives of the business world. We yep. create something from nothing. And people are like, you guys are nuts. No one's going to buy your silly thing. Well, if you're going to do that, you got to live by some rules and, and not even rules, like just guidelines. And, and, and that's why I'm super fascinated about the creator mindset. Cause I, I have a bunch of friends that are authors. I have a, a good friend, Mark McGinnis, who's who, who wrote the 21st century creative. He does the 21st century creative podcast. He's a poet and a creative coach and all this sort of stuff. He's a similar philosophy that, that you do where it's the process you go through, you enjoy the quote unquote journey and the fruits of that labor will come. If you focus on the end point, you'll be miserable because who knows where, when, when the end point one and two, where the end point's going to show up. I mean, could be some random thing. You just never know. But if you're enjoying this journey, uh, it's a really great process. In fact, I was just on a podcast Actually, I was just interviewing someone and he recommended this book by the rapper Russ. I don't know if you've heard of Russ, R-U-S-S. No. Um, he wrote this book, was something like Get Out of Your Own Head. And it's a thin little book, little philosophy, philosophy. Exceptional. And same thing. Like, it's not a get rich quick thing. It's, this is the process you go through. And, and I'm curious, you know, when you're dealing with your, you know, speaking and coaching and workshop business, you're an entrepreneur, clearly. How do you take that, your, your creative mindset and apply it to your, the business that you're in right now? You know, um, it's, it's a good question because there's a lot of ways to apply creativity today, uh, especially when there's crisis, right? So crisis sort of brings on a, an ability to create because you need to be different and novel and, you know, sort of differentiated from what everyone else is doing in order to cut through the clutter. And so my personal, you know, attribute, uh, is to just tell the truth <laughs> as you may have noticed. It's, yeah, it's, I've noticed, I've noticed <laughs> it's, uh, it's done me really well. It's done me really well over the years. I got to tell you, you know, some people don't like it. Some people want, you know, to be comforted and stuff like that. And there's, there's certainly time for that. Um, but you know, I try to cut through the clutter by, by being brutally honest and that honesty tends to, uh, make clients want to engage, you know, I've mm. done a series for, uh, uh, a famous, uh, you know, a fortune 500 company out of, out of Phoenix. And, you know, they're asking me, oh, okay, you know, we, we really want to do this thing. And, you know, this is what we want to do. And this is how we want to spend the money. And, you know, even at an advantage to me, I told them, guys, that's, 
you know, we shouldn't spend the money there, even though that money was going to come to my company. Um, I think we should do it this way and that way and line up the webinars and the, and the, the coursework in, in a slightly different way, because one, it will save you money. And two, the point is to build retention and to have people do really well. And just sometimes being honest about the goal of your client and what they're trying to get out of it is more important than making that quick buck and that sort of thing. So people ask me all the time, you know, Hey, how do you have, you know, long-term clients and all this stuff? It's like, well, just tell them the truth, you know, and, and tell them that sometimes you're not right for what they're looking for and tell them that sometimes, you know, that's not, um, you know, it's too much money. Listen, nobody ever does that. If you tell somebody, yeah, you know, that you're overpaying a little bit. Let's let's knock this down 10% or, you know, this proposal is a little high. Let me see if I can, you know, lower it. You'd be the only one ever that tells them that, ever. <laughs> that's you know, true. you would be taking up my market share then. Because <laughs> that's what I tell people. I think, I think you, no, 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 we're too, we're, this is, you know, let's, let's, let's lower the price a little bit and focus on this or that. So, I think it's really important to be honest and in an, in an honest, and I talk about it in the book, there's a chapter about being straightforward and communicating in clear and, and honest ways. Uh, eventually it won't happen tomorrow, but eventually those things will multiply in terms of, you know, revenue that, that you can create in terms of, of profit that you could generate from that revenue. We talk a lot about revenue in business, but we don't really talk about profit, right? right who who right. cares what your revenue is if, if you're not taking any money home? So, you know, changing the dialogue a little bit, I think is really important in business. Um, being more direct and honest, I think it's really important in business. There's a lot of, you know, pull the wool over someone's eye and make a quick sale, especially in the automotive world. I mean, you know, you have culturally the used car salesman as the you know, mm -hmm. devil of humanity and, and, <laughs> and like, you know, you have a whole industry built around yeah, Glenn, guys. Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross is the perfect right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. so it's come time, I think for a different model. And my approach is really fundamentally an honest and transparent approach. Um, and, you know, ending up trying to making clients, uh, appreciate it. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that that approach doesn't work for all clients. I mean, some people just like to hear, I don't know, I wouldn't call it lies, but they don't like to hear the whole truth. You know, I know, yeah. I know, I know in my own practice of, of consulting for PR with PR and marketing for, for, for companies, sometimes they just want to hear what they want to hear. And it's, it's tough because you're like, ah, duh, you just don't think about it the right way, you know? And I really, I really can appreciate your approach and appreciate the, the candor and the honesty. And I think it, it, do you think it has something to do with just being like free to just be like, Oh, you leave, you leave. Like I'm on my path and this is who I am and free to be you and me. You can do you, I do me. And is it, is it that, how, how does that confidence, where does it come from? You know, it's really about understanding your your DNA, right? So for me, I write in the book about the world's first creative person. And if you go back with me, right, and you're in the mind's eye, go with me here, right? This okay, is going to be a fun I'm, journey. All right, let's go. All right, 65,000 years ago, right? It was a cold, wet, dark and stormy night, right? It was a dark <laughs> and stormy night. <laughs> yeah. And 
you know, it was, it was terrible, right? Earth was like horrible, like, you know, a volcano would erupt and like, you know, a million people would die from breathing in the, you know, the atmosphere. I mean, it was just like a horrible place. And early humans, you know, lived till, I don't know, 22, I think. Honestly, that that's for real. Like you were dead by 22. That was, you know, you're a grandma or whatever by then. And so we had, it was a dark and stormy night and we had, you know, a beast attacking Harriet, which is the world's first creative person and Harriet's in her cave and, you know, the cave's filling with water and this beast with a huge fang, you know, like attacking her and trying to get at her. And, you know, she, she sees her, you know, very modest belongings, right? She's like a stick and a berry picker. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she owns. Those those are her like treasured possessions, right? Right. So the stick is like, you know, nothing but a walking stick. It's just something to, you know, get up a mountain with or whatever. And then the berry picker is like a sharp little thing. And so she's being attacked by this beast and she sees the stick and, you know, water's filling and it's like up to her neck, right? She's about to die, imminent death. And so she takes the stick and puts the berry picker. She has the world's first creative idea and she uses it to stave off the beast and ends up saving her life, right? What does she do immediately thereafter? She runs into the village and shares the stick with everyone else Mm -hmm. and creativity therein by born into every man, woman, and child on earth because it's how we survived. We didn't get to this point without creativity. You know, history is often talked about in terms of who won this war or that war, but what we're really missing is, you know, the, the ability of humanity to be creative, to get through a certain problem, right? So yeah. fast forward to today, right? We're, you know, supposedly super modern and all this stuff. And because of that modernity, we tend to look at things that we trust, right? We love numbers. We love numbers. You yeah. know, we love data and spreadsheet logic and analytics. And we feel like, oh, you know, if I pay somebody for analytics, then they must be telling me the truth. <laughs> and look, the numbers show the truth. And believe it or not, most of my customers are in the finance service. I just did a, a whole webinar with with a, a big mortgage group because those people understand more than anybody, the CFOs, that the numbers don't tell you the whole story. They just don't. And here we are operating companies and our society at large on, at best, at best, a snapshot in the past, which is what numbers are, because by the time they reach your desk in a business, they're already past. This is, you're looking in the rear view and you're trying to look in the rear view to make decisions on what's right in front of your eyes. And so there's got to be a different way. The numbers don't teach us everything. Uh, They don't tell us everything. So when you're dealing with a business and somebody says, you know, hey, I need some help. um, And you really honestly are, are approaching it with, you know, sort of the right uh, intentions. Um, It's pretty easy to tell somebody, you know, listen, the numbers, it's cool that you, you know, paid Deloitte to come in to do a full study. That's fantastic. What did you learn? You spent a lot of money and you got uh, a a lot of paperwork that nobody read. Am I wrong? And people are like, no, dude, totally. (laughs) 
<laughs> like you just got to break it down to oh man you're right you're so some right. honesty and so right. you know who, so did right. you even get past the top sheet like i listen man i you know i used to i i've run so many businesses i ran an advertising agency where we wrote 65 page master services agreement and 20 page statements of work and I asked my client, you know, we're out for beers one night and I thought, you know, oh, I don't want to say anything that would ruin it, you know, but like, I'm just going to like, you know, put a toe in the water. Yeah, and I yeah, used yeah. to be like that. Now I'm over that. Now I just <laughs> call it like it is. Yeah, but yeah, I basically yeah. would say, hey, did you read any of this stuff? And after 10 years of collecting the data, I found out, and this is a very analytical and, and very official study, of course, that yeah. 99% of people don't read shit. And um, ninety nine point five percent of people scroll to the bottom of your of your proposal and look at the numbers, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, and yeah. so you know you develop sort of truisms in business, and that's a truism that nobody reads anything. Nobody has time to read stuff. Um, I talk in a book about you know keep your email to five sentences or less total ever. You know, uh, like tools like that, like that cost you no money, yet it's a shift in your mindset. To, to, to be a little bit more creative. Um, and so the, the confidence, I guess, uh, comes from, you know, understanding that people want genuine help uh, and they want to move past a, a point that is, that is blocking them and they want to do it themselves. So the very nature of consulting is kind of not a great model because it relies on you coming in. And if yeah. you are coming in and that's the model, you know, all of a sudden you get into staff augmentation and all this stuff and the client's resentful that you're there in the first place and they will always be resentful. That's another business truism, right? So mm -hmm. why not just teach them and get out of there? Okay, fine. You're not going to make, you know, all of that money, but that doesn't mean that you can't multiply that scale in different clients, so on and so forth. It really is about choosing what's right. No, I, you know, it's like we're brothers from another mother, <laughs> to be honest, because I mean, I had, I, I used to be an engineer. I still am. I mean, you never, you never stop becoming an engineer. You just sort of morph into something. And I always had this rule about data. Okay. I said, if you collect a hundred pieces of data, 10 pieces will be analyzed and one piece will be understood. So 1% of all data is actually actionable. But you, everyone collects tons of data. No one ever looks at it. And this is my like real apprehension with reports and okay. stats and all this sort of stuff. Because, okay, yeah, you know, people want reports. What are you doing? You know, how did you do it? But generally they don't read it and they don't, and, and most of the time they don't understand it, <laughs> which, which I think is even better. So you're right. The whole data in the rear view mirror. 100% true. It's all about like what's in front of you. And then, you know, your comment about, um, the creativity of um, that, the, I don't remember her name, who, you know, saved herself. Harriet. Harriet. World's first. World's first, world's first creative. That's right. Um, creativity and storytelling, I think, go hand in hand that way. Because I always say um, the reason why you and I are talking today is because our ancestors told better stories. And it's true. Because why? Well, we told stories about how we creatively solve problems to survive this long. Um, even though we may be from different tribes in the world, we're here, right? And it's pretty cool. So I, yeah, I mean, so then why do you think people don't have more, I wouldn't even call it radical honesty, just like 
normal honesty, like huh. tell it like it is. What, what, what do you, what do you think limits that? What, what do you think it is? You know, I think that we don't trust who we are as creative individuals, right? So because this creativity is in our DNA, the way that we practice our product or service or even our career as entrepreneurs or somebody who's, you know, trying to climb the corporate ladder or whatever, the way that we practice it is hours and hours alone. And often what we do is we end up looking for someone to imitate, right? We look, oh, you know, I like what that gal's doing, so I'm going to imitate her or that guy is successful, so I'm going to imitate them. But what we need to really do is look within, see what it is that makes us unique in the first place. And that is our ability to solve problems like nobody else. And what I want to do is I want to, I'm on a mission to empower people, not to pay me so that I can, you know, build an augmented staff in that organization, stay for 15 years, right? My, my goal is to empower those people to learn how to do it themselves and, and, you know, foster that ability to spark that inner creativity, which gives you the ability to solve problems unlike anybody else on earth. I've found it true every single time. And so what I think is really impressive is when people start to go, okay, cool, you know, my brain is literally wired in two hemispheres. One side uh, creative, one side is analytical. Uh, I've spent $150,000 on undergrad, 200 grand on graduate school, right? And They've taught me nothing about developing the creative side. It's all the analytical side. Here I am. I'm ready to start a business or, you know, I have 50 employees or 5,000 and, you know, I can't get to the next level. And I've hired everybody who's far smarter than me, you know, from internal staff to consultants and I'm still stuck. And, you know, usually at that point, that's where, you know, people would call me in and say, "Near, you know, listen, we've tried this, we've tried that. And it's like, yeah, because you're always looking internally, look inside. And what your construct is and, and your ability to solve problems is your value. And you are doing that for a certain reason. And the way that you solve problems is your gift to humanity or whatever you want to, to the marketplace or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And so, a lot of businesses and a lot of companies get stuck when they lose that identity of who they are and what they're trying to do. And so creativity enables you to find it and to use it in the world. And that's kind of, that's kind of my thing. Wow. Yeah, man, there's so many, Like I said, brothers from another mother. Because I mean, this is literally like my philosophy as well. And wonderful. And, 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 and more importantly, because I, I honestly think, you know, having again, having the engineering degree, doing all the hard science, knowing all that stuff, I found that even though, like, again, taught how to do electronics and semiconductor, I mean, the whole like know all the semiconductor physics and all that sort of stuff. What really like, solving a complex problem, a circuit problem, a, a, a problem just in general, they didn't never really, I mean, they taught us the scientific method, which is a good valid one, but it's not the only way to solve a problem. Um, and I found, I mean, yeah, this whole idea of just like, it's within us. Like, I think everyone's got a story they need to tell. I think yeah. everyone's got a gift. I mean, you call it whatever you want, but I think there's something unique about you that you need to share with the world. And it may just be, you're the best plumber in your community. You may be the best artist of something or the best, like you you make the best sushi or whatever it is. You have this thing that you have to give to the world or really the whole world. I mean, would, would, 
it would be a worse place off. Right. And, and, and I just, I see this as just such an interesting mindset that, and I'm just so fascinated why a lot, not a lot of people adhere to it. I mean, like even as a business person, wouldn't you be like, well, heck, why do I, I have to pay all these consultants when the, the solution's in me? <laughs> I don't know. I just need to read a couple of books. Well, I, I think it's, so I think it's fear. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah. So listen, I, I, I'm, I think you're spot on. There's a bunch of different reasons and it depends on who it is, but I think, you know, and I talk about it in the book, right? There's, I, I don't know, like 13 or 14 different things that make people not want to embrace this philosophy. Um, you know, I think the overwhelming, uh, reason is fear, no doubt. And, uh, fear goes hand in hand with what I call the self doubt monster, which is the strongest force ever known to humanity. You know, you, you think, <laughs> is it like the flying spaghetti monster? <laughs> oh, dude, it's worse. <laughs> That's worse. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, you think of, you know, you think of armies and stuff as having, you know, massive power, but the power within everyone's mind yeah. is, you know, can be used for good and can be used for toxic things. It's up to you. It's up to you to decide what you want to use your brain for. And, when we think without both sides of the mind with the creative and the analytical, we're forever out of whack. We're never balanced and we never are able to, to make the types of decisions and to solve the types of problems that God gifted us with. And we're forever running from one technique to another. Listen, you and I both have those friends who are like, you know, oh, I'm trying the 21 day Miami diet. And then they run from that. <laughs> Am I wrong? And no, they're running totally, from that to you're another. Totally, you're totally right. Man. And, you're you know, totally I was right. guilty of that for a long <laughs> oh, time. Oh, oh, guilty as charged, man. I was doing the, uh, what was it? The, the, the six belt thing, you know, for project management. And then I went from that to another technique and, yeah. you know, on yeah. and on and on. And, and, Whenever these solutions are external, they don't, they're not really solutions, they're band-aids. And mm. yeah, they might work for a certain amount of time, but there's nobody other than you who has the power to move that needle forward with a balanced, creative, and analytical mind. I'll give you an example. I did a consulting assignment with a very famous pizza brand, and I showed up and it's the management team. And, you know, these guys have spent millions of dollars, not with me, but with others, trying to get data and all this stuff done. And they they went to the three big consultants and, you know, called me. So I showed up <laughs> and we start talking and they're like, near, we're a pizza. That's what we're doing. And, and I have a concept, an idea and execution. It's a way to generate creativity. And mm -hmm. so your concept is your biggest thought, your idea is your middle ground thought and your executions where... 99% of people spend most of their time. That's working in the business instead of on it. So, right, right. you know, I, I said, okay, guys, you're a pizza. They're, you know, let's start talking about an idea or an execution. What's the bigger way to look at what you did, what you guys do? And, you know, there's people looking around and this sort of stuff and went on for quite a while. And so, finally, somebody said, you know, I think our, I don't know, our idea is comfort food because mm. we, enable comfort for people. I'm like, Oh, finally. So yeah. here's a bigger idea. Let's start talking about that. Yeah. And then somebody said in 1914, our founder came from, 
you know, with a, with a recipe and blah, blah, blah. Like, great, let's keep going and going. And then, you know, we got to their concept being sustenance, their idea being comfort food mm-hmm. and their execution being their double stuffed cheesy crust meat lovers or whatever it was. Yeah. And I said, okay, guys, what, what you want to do? They're like, here, we spent a lot of money on consultants doing consulting work. Um, and all we want to do is we want to reinvigorate the lineup. And I was like, I was here five minutes ago and you guys were like, we're pizza plate, pizza, pizza. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we need, what's the next thing? We need a next thing. And I said, well, the next thing is right in front of you guys. All right. Stop looking in the rear view mirror. Stop looking at the analytics and, you know, thinking that they're going to give you all the answers. Let's talk about the next thing. Look at your idea. And they're like, comfort food. Great. What are we going to do? Like sell, uh, 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 you know, chicken soup. And like everybody in the room got really quiet. Right? I'm like, <laughs> yes. So it's something's finally. like starting to think to sink in. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, they started to, to really realize the, the value of creativity the value of thinking a bit differently about their product or service. And someone came up with a calzoning and that sort of thing. And now mm-hmm. it's out. They've released it. Right. So they've yeah. diversified. And, you know, it's funny because like chicken soup might work for this particular brand. Right. Yeah. I don't know, but it is a creative implementation that springs from a very natural connection for that product or service. So the yeah. important thing here to remember is that those ideas came from the identity of that company replicated absolutely nowhere. It is very much part of the DNA of that brand. And that leadership team is seeped in the creative DNA of who they are. And so a calzone might not work for another brand or a chicken soup might not work for another brand. We have the big three pizza companies in the US, right? And that brand might not work in the other. In fact, it won't. I know for sure it won't because I've spent some time in the restaurant industry with uh, with these particular brands. So once you find the truth of who it is that you are and what you're doing, for me, that is a creative mentality. That is, you know, something that you <laughs> is why you're surviving in business. That's why yeah. people are paying for your product or service, right? That is literally the the you know the spark the root of that sort of transaction. And once you understand that, then you can move forward. But you know, a lot of businesses don't understand who they are. They don't understand their, their root. They don't understand the value of their product or service. They think it's what they think it is, or they think it's what they say it is. Porsche is there. It's famous for this uh, as a car manufacturer. And even uh, there's a, a brand that I've worked with, so I can't share their name, but they were a sports energy brand. And all of their advertising and their marketing and and the impetus of the company was super athletes, yeah, yeah jumping and sports and craziness. Yeah. Yeah. And we found out really that the brand is being consumed by people after a night of drinking. Hmm. That's who's drinking your brand, guys, not the super athletes, right? They because the electrolytes or whatever or social has gotten out, and you know now it's the hangover cure. And you should have seen the room when we, you know, were able to present that and, and they just couldn't get around to understanding what their brand means to people. And so if you are ignorant of these things, you can never, never reach that next level. You can never get to that 
level of, you know, the super brand, the Apple or the, uh, you know, uh, Elon Musk companies and the Teslas and that sort of thing. You can never get there unless you understand very clearly that, you know, what your product does. Elon Musk, he understands very clearly that that the Tesla is not bought by car affectionados. <laughs> it's not a car person's car. It's a lifestyle item. And that's the root of their brand, their marketing, everything answers to that point. And they're very successful because they understand who they are. They understand their creative DNA. So I think we need to understand our creative DNA. We need to understand who we are as people. And from that can spring amazing wealth and an amazing uh, generation of creativity. Yeah, no, I have some, I have a similar concept called uh, core values for a brand as well as uh, what their big idea is. So when I talk about storytelling, like people usually bring me in to kind of figure out how to better tell their story, get their story straight so that they actually know what they're actually, who they are. And the two most important concepts is your core values and what's your big idea. Those are like literally the first two questions I we go explore because you're right. It's kind of like the difference between a want and a need, you know? Yeah. Uh, I want to drill, but I need holes. It's a, <laughs> it's a different thing, right? Like, you know, Porsche. Oh yeah. I want, you know, of course it's a performance car, but I actually really want the status of owning a Porsche or et cetera. And, 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 and I think, I think it's that type of, uh, creative switch, creative mindset, telling the story that we tell each other and really getting down to the core big idea and what the core values are. Mm-hmm. That's where the, that's where the genius is. And, and I, I agree with you. I think the, there's someone that talked about the MBAization of business about the numbers and all the ROI, yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you just throw, good money after bad money, because you're not getting to the core of what you're trying to do. Like, what does it make, you know, what are, what's in, you're right. What's in, you breathe this brand, what's inside you that actually made you show up to work today? Why are you even here? Like these Pete, those pizza executives, why do they show up? Clearly there's something here that's like attracts them. Okay. Maybe it's the paycheck, but if they're an, they could go anywhere. Right. Right. What is it about? And they what, can what, make far more. And I tell people, you yeah. can make far more, far much more money if you were doing something else. So yeah. why are you staying? And nine out of 10 times people go, yeah, it, you, you know, you're right. Yeah. Um, and then we start to kind of explore why it is that, you know, that somebody is doing what they're doing. And there's a good reason. I don't know. I don't really believe in accidents. I just wrote a piece for, uh, um, gosh, what was that magazine? Uh, leadership, uh, it was like one of the magazines. Um, we'll put it in the show notes because I'm forgetting now. Yeah, these do. But um, it was about you know how <laughs> you, you know you have to kind of you have to kind of trust that you know things aren't nobody ever falls into a role. I don't believe that people just do what they do because oh you know I'm just in medical sales. Like, no, you're not. You're in that reason for a very good reason. You know, um, maybe you wanted to help people. Maybe you didn't, maybe you found, you know, medicine cool. Maybe when you were six years old and you know, you broke your, your thumb that changed your life. And there's all these things that put you where you need to be. And, you know, a little bit of belief in that, a little less anxiety, a little less worry about, you know, every 
gosh dang little thing i think would be good for for everybody be good for your listeners be good for me it'd be good for you be good for our country and you know um it'd be good for creativity yeah i i agree well near it's just been such a great conversation we could go on for hours (laughs) i know hopefully one day we'll can can do it again because i really one i i'm definitely going to read your book because i really i'm always looking for things to spark my own creativity especially in writing and kind of what i do but more importantly the this whole idea of being like honest and trying to be of use be of service excuse me and you know in business I, I mean, that's the way I try to roll. Um, and I don't think there's enough of that. And and I think now more than ever, I think it's, I think it's, you know, you know, given the political divide we have and whatever, whatever, like if just, if we just all kind of got together and said, Oh, we got some problems to solve. Let's go creatively solve these things. You know, let's just put the ego aside and let's just, we're all here to try to do better. Uh, I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And I think, I think it'll really help people uh sell more i mean to be honest you know (laughs) if people are feeling like hey you know they're given a a fair shake then they're going to buy more that's the thing you know you think these deceptive things will help you close the deal or whatever make your numbers but sometimes you know just being straightforward with people will will help more than anything agreed agreed well stay safe good luck with the book we'll definitely put Uh, link in the show notes and give it a read and uh yeah great talking to you thanks for having me man thanks for listening to the entrepreneur ethos podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did creating it my hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better if you enjoyed the podcast please do share it with friends and review it on apple podcasts or spotify you can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what i'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.